It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. No matter what anyone tells you, words and ideas can change the world. John Keating, played by Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society. Have you ever struggled with depression? If so, you are far from alone. Major depression affects an estimated 16 million adults in the United States, making it one of the most common mental disorders. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am as thrilled as ever to be here with you all as we explore a hugely important topic, depression, PTSD, and empowerment with some fantastic guests. Episodes of major depression, you know, there's many different kinds, but major depression, the episodes can last for weeks or more. Uh, These episodes tend to interfere with our ability to sleep or stay awake, depending on how it affects you, to eat normally, to work well, to enjoy life. And while it might just flare up once in your lifetime, several episodes are more common. Uh, Some of the other forms of depression are less severe. Uh, Some are longer lasting. Some are shorter lasting. Uh, They can be seasonal, triggered by specific events like childbirth or trauma, but All types seem to involve this seemingly unfixable emptiness, and in severe cases, they can lead to suicidal thoughts and behaviors. And depression isn't the opposite of happy. I think that's a big misperception. It's not like you just can't be happy. It's more like this, an intense apathy, almost, an unbearable like soul pain, this hopelessness. No one who's been there would ever wish it upon anybody else. I certainly wouldn't. I had my first experience with major depression when I was uh, an adolescent, though at the time I had no idea what was happening. Everything was very confusing at that time, as it tends to be. I just thought there was something wrong with me. You know, why couldn't I just be happy? And I had this shame around not being able to be happy, so I kind of would fake it and try to act like a normal person. Um and I didn't realize I was just, you know, dealing with an illness. And that, as many of you know, led to a very severe eating disorder, which can also happen. The two have a lot of um, crossover. I'll share some of the steps that really helped me find uh, sustainable peace and happiness and some thoughts from a wonderful, brave listener who wrote in to me later in the show. But first, and before I introduce today's guest, I'm going to share some thoughts from Dr. Megan Fleming, our current resident relationships expert, who you can find on Twitter at Megan Fleming, PhD. That's Megan Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G, PhD. And I asked her a couple of questions. The first one was this. What are some of the more common ways depression can affect our intimate relationships and sex lives? Here's what she had to say. August, this is a great question because many of us have known dysphoria or extended periods of time feeling sad or finding it hard to get out of bed or get things done. And many of us have also known bereavement, which is the kind of depression you feel when grieving the loss of someone you love. Loss of sexual desire is actually one of the symptoms of depression that would count towards a clinical diagnosis. I want to highlight that again. Loss of desire is a normal part of the experience of being depressed. It's important that you and your partner know that if you're depressed and don't have any sexual interest or certainly less sexual interest, it's not them. And it's not that you're not attracted to them or you don't appreciate them. It's you and it's right now. It's not forever. Depression is a treatable, and it's so important uh, to recognize the value of getting treatment ideally early, um, because studies certainly show that it's often a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and medication that lead to the best outcomes in the shortest amount of time. You know, other common symptoms of depression include irritability, decreased interest or pleasure in activities, including sex, feelings of guilt or with worthlessness which of course is the antithesis to feeling sexy, uh, fatigue and loss of energy. So it's really, as you can see, a perfect storm for anyone's sex life and to decrease the feelings of intimacy. And I want to highlight, and it's normal to be experiencing all of that when you're feeling depressed or you're depressed. And some people 
find themselves actually regulating their mood with orgasms, either alone or with their partner, uh, to feel better when they're depressed. While others find that they isolate when depressed and go inwards versus leaning toward their partner uh, for support. So I hope that you're hearing and taking away in my answer to this question that it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of an experience. An episode of depression has common symptoms, but it's an individual experience, and there's help. Depression is not a one-size-fits-all kind of experience. That is so true. I love what she had to say about knowing that depression is treatable, that your symptoms are normal if you have them, most likely. You know, they're, um, they affect people differently, and it, they also may affect you differently throughout your life. So one episode may vary a lot from another one. It's so important to know those things. Today's guest knows this very well, and it is such an inspiration. I am so thrilled to have Jill Morley, a phenomenal filmmaker, an acclaimed playwright, and a boxing powerhouse here in the studio today. Her incredible award-winning documentary film, Fight Like a Girl, explores how women, including herself, use boxing to fight their demons and empower themselves. It's won all kinds of awards. It won Best Documentary at the Other Venice Film Festival and was presented with an award for the World Boxing Council for Inspiration education and courage, which I love, and it's so suitable. Um, And recently, it was screened at the Artemis Women in Action Film Festival. I hope you guys all remember my interview with uh, Melanie Wise, the founder. It's the first ever female-driven action film festival, and I had the pleasure of meeting Jill uh, at some of the, uh, the events and ceremonies that were happening. It's such a treat to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad to have met you through that festival. And also, we were honored to get Best Documentary at that festival, too. It was kind of really exciting. That is incredible. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have so many different projects that you've worked on, um, awards you've won for other films, plays. This film seems exceptionally personal. What about this film makes it so important to you as far as getting getting its message out? Well, it's interesting. I think in the beginning, I was a little afraid to get it out because it's so personal and I opened myself up. I mean, I basically open a vein, almost literally, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so it was hard for me to show it to people because they would know things about me. Sure. But now it happened so long ago, those events, that um, I see it more as a tool to help people. Mm. And also I... I feel like I'm a different person now. So to show that film to people, I, I feel very different, you know. Sure. I feel more like, you know, I hope this can maybe encourage you in some way. Oh, I can I can absolutely attest for that. I, I really believe it is. It's so inspiring. And uh, so that listeners know who haven't seen it, it spans five years, right? Mm-hmm. And covers not only your life, but uh, the lives of other female boxers. And you go so far as to interview family members and to really step into those demons, uh, would you just share what, how did boxing uh, allow you to kind of not, well, deal with those demons, but I know it also sort of shook things up and, and kind of forced you into some, like you said, opening up some some wounds as well. Right. Well, originally I just, I've always loved doing athletics I mean it keeps me in shape and it keeps me you know I have I guess I have a lot of testosterone or something because I you know I played tennis I like hitting things really well by the way in the movie I was just like (laughs) my god what doesn't she do no no. I'm so impressed only tennis and boxing and actually the tennis has fallen way back (laughs) well you're busy (laughs) but it's okay um yeah so I wanted to do something competitive and I wanted to do a combat sport and at first I tried my hand at taekwondo and I did it for like five years I got my black belt but it wasn't satisfying so I I, um, and then I met my husband, and he was doing Muay Thai, um, which is a kickboxing style. So I did that for a while, but then I realized, you know, I just like the punching part. And also, I get really, I, I want to use the word, turned on by yeah. boxing. Like, I love the movement. I like the slickness. Yeah. I like, you know, a fight can look beautiful in boxing, whereas in the others, they can't. They don't look so beautiful. Like, they're not... They that is so <laughs> interesting. I've never thought of... of it's almost a dance in a way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's physical chess. Ah, physical chess. And everything you're saying, it sounds like you really found your passion. Oh, yeah, I yeah. did. I mean, God, I wish I was so much better at it. But um, 
but I was I just loved to do it and I like figuring it out I like the feeling when you're improving or when you practice something and you're able to use it in the ring all that kind of stuff Um, so yeah so I, I met these women I met Susan and Kimberly who were really cool women and I thought well I want to tell their stories, you know, and maybe what I can do is I can use my boxing as a timeline, like for the Golden Gloves. And in a year, I will train for the Golden Gloves, focus on them, and then um, and then end it, you know, when whatever, however I do in the Golden Gloves, fine. And then I also met Maureen Shea, who's a pro boxer, who um, actually has a lot of similar issues as I do. So my plan to shoot in, in a year and end the film um, did not happen. <laughs> it wound up taking five years and then like another two years to edit. Um, so it took a total of seven years to like really get the film out. Um, and uh, so during the course of the training and the sparring, when I started sparring, I started to get, um, I start to like hyperventilate sometimes or I'd get panic attacks in the ring. And I, I realized um, it was from uh, abuse I had had when I was a young, younger, when I was a child. Now, I had talked through this abuse when, in my, you know, when I was younger. I thought I was totally over it. You know, I forgave the person. You know, we were fine. But the thing is, your body remembers the abuse. The muscle memory. Yeah. Oh, wow. So when it was happening, it would bring me back. And, it would make, and I used to hyperventilate like that when I was getting hit. Oh, my goodness. That was like PTSD. It was. And then I got diagnosed with PTSD, and I was like, really? (laughs) Wow. So did you feel like it allowed you to further your healing, like there was healing that remained, or did it kind of just reopen those wounds that had healed? Well, I don't think the wounds had I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, because mentally I could process everything, but physically I was still triggered. Mm. Right. So until you get triggered physically, you can't, you know, but I don't know if I handled it the best way because I kept going in there and getting my head beat in, you know, by people who are very good, who were being told by my coach, try to knock her out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Try to beat her. Let's try to make her quit. And I wouldn't quit, but I would never get better. (laughs) And so you kept having these episodes of these panic attacks and all the PTSD coming and you kept on going into the ring because I was so upset with myself I'm like you are such a loser you can't do this like you should be able to do this like my father was a boxer like I come from tough Irish Italian French and German your dad's funny in the the film that scene where you're talking and yeah you can see that you have some uh, some family spirit you share yeah yeah but um so I was just upset with myself I, I I put it I it was typical of what I one of my faults is just being way too hard on myself, putting too much pressure on myself, and making the whole boxing thing about that my self-esteem was that. Sure. Like, I couldn't separate it. And this is, like, I'm not even a young person. I'm like a grown woman still doing that. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing how our childhoods follow us everywhere, and these wounds can be there again. And I had a somewhat similar experience in a completely different arena where... Uh, I'm very public about my eating disorder recovery, and I'm fully past it. Um, but I nearly died of anorexia, and mm. when I was 18, and so years ago. And at night, when I was really sick, I would have heart palpitations, um, electrolyte imbalances. My body's all, you know, and I had major heart issues then. And a couple years ago, I suddenly started having heart palpitations at night out of nowhere. I was completely calm. I was very. Uh, you know, happily in a great relationship with my husband. Everything felt great. I'm like ready to go to bed. And all of a sudden my heart was like I was sprinting. And it was so crazy to me. I couldn't figure out where it's coming from. I'm thinking it has to be, you know, it has to be something to do with my my body or maybe, you know, residual effects physically from what happened to me. But no, the cardiologist actually asked me, have you ever had heart issues before? And I told her about my time in Paris when I was so sick. And it was such an eye-opening experience because I, too, I thought, wait a minute. I, I'm so past that. How could that? And she said, your heart remembers. Like, your physical wow. heart remembers. Yeah. And I think it's really empowering to to overcome something like that and to also just to realize the significance of what we go through, you know? It's very true. I mean, and the way to, to heal that or to get past that was I, I, I switched at a certain point, I had I suffered a breakdown of sorts, which you know you can see in the film, 
And then afterwards, I switched trainers and I started working with people who, when I got in the ring, they would teach me really good technique and they weren't trying to kill me. <laughs> you know, they let me inbox me say, hey, do you, do you want, let's work, okay, let's work. And that means let's not try to beat each other up. Let's try to just sure. tag each other and like do it for technique. And that was how I really learned wow. is that once people were willing to work with me and I didn't have to suffer um, for the bad form and the bad doxing I was doing, then I was like, oh, now I can, I see, okay. And it, I'm, I'm a, slow, a little bit of a slow learner with that, but I mean, boxing, you know, it, it, it's just like no other, you know, I mean, you're getting in there and your fight and flight are in there. And um, my flight and my freeze, fight, flight, or freeze, and my freeze was going in. Mm -hmm. And now my fight comes in. I might freeze a little bit, but I'm a little bit more relaxed when I'm doing it. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to wait for an opening, and then I'm going to fire back. Whereas before it was just like, ah! Wow. So once you realized that it was actually... PTSD and, and emotional past issues that were resurfacing, did simply knowing that then change your experience or did you still have to kind of, you know, work through not having those reactions? I had thought it would help me and then it didn't. I kept having those reactions and I'm like, well, damn it, like, you know. But then um, I started to, you know, I was in therapy, but I started learning more about breath and breathing. Um, I started telling myself like don't be hard on yourself like no matter what happens don't get upset with how bad you are <laughs> and I just and I would just let myself go and, and I do sloppy crappy things and I'd be like okay okay until eventually those sloppy crappy things weren't as sloppy or crappy you know and I was starting to get some form and get get there and it was just a long road you know and people being patient with me and people really showing me this is how you punch this is how you block this is how you step you know um, and then I was able to get past it. And uh, I don't have that in the ring. I mean, even if I'm getting attacked in that way, I, I move. Like, I, I know what to do. And that's I also have confidence now. Like, I have good defense now. Like, I know what to do when someone's coming after me, you know. Um, and that helps me not freeze or cry the way I used to. <laughs> oh, it's so many great metaphors for life. You know, having a support system that there's a big difference between having people who are, have the same interests as you versus having people who really care about your growth and helping you improve versus just competing, you know, and, and having patience with yourself. Everyone's a beginner, you know, all mm. of that is, is really huge. Um, I know that this is nowhere near what the focus of your life is now, um, but it also came up a bit in the film and, and with another boxer that you had... Uh, past experience um, in the sex industry, right? Mm -hmm. As strippers, and I think was uh, one of your um, one of the boxers in the film was a she was a stripper as well. Yeah, right. Yes. Uh, so tell me about that. Was that um, how did that fit into kind of your journey as as an artist and becoming who you are? Well, I thought that was interesting that uh, Kimberly had that experience as well. Um, because she, like me, is not someone you'd look at and go, oh, that's a stripper. Especially when I'm looking at you guys boxing. It's like yeah. it's so cool to see because you show the pictures from yeah. your stripper days. And it also shows we are all every woman, you know, not to judge and put people in these little boxes. Yeah, I mean, and that's like my favorite thing to show people. But um, when I was an actress, I was I was a tomboy. I, I was not, I did not know how to do makeup, hair, or nothing. I'm not, I'm like a little better now. But <laughs> and then um, I would go on auditions. I wear my black jeans, my black sweater, and my cowboy boots. And like, I find, then I moved in with, uh, I had a gay man as my roommate. He helped me. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I was ran out of money. I'm like, I don't know how to make money because I, I got fired every time I tried waitressing. I <laughs> like three times. <laughs> I really suck at it. <laughs> fired three times. You didn't hit anybody, did you? <laughs> no, no. I just I just get all like overwhelmed by yeah. all this stuff and like I can't remember. It's things. hard, I think. Oh my god. I was god. never able to. Yeah. Oh, I just sucked at it. So um, then I, I would do catering, and then after the winter, that then like there's no time until the spring. There's no money. And I asked a friend of mine, well, what do you do? And she said, well, I go to New Jersey and I go-go dance. You can wear, keep your top on there and you can make money, you know. And I came with, I went with her one time and it was at a sports bar in Hackensack. And these like guys, like mechanics and, you know, truck drivers and whatever are just like giving them dollars and it's an afternoon shift and there was nothing. Like it didn't look like anything 
I don't know. Like, I see so much worse today. Like, it wasn't super seedy. Yeah, I see. I mean, like, compared to, like, music videos that we have now, like, it it was nothing. It was nothing. Stripping used to all be on the stage, as as I've learned. Right. You know, that it was just more of just a a dance. It wasn't like you're actually in the mosh pit of men who are. Yeah. So we were on the stage wearing our little go-go outfits, and then we'd come down and take take a tip and go back up on stage. And uh, I thought it was hilarious as well. <laughs> and then, too, I thought, like, I never saw myself that way as a girl that was attractive to mm-hmm. men or to many men, like, unless they, like, really knew me and thought it was funny or something, you know. Um, so between me and then having the gay roommate here, like, he's helping me with my outfits and my teaching me how to walk in heels. And, <laughs> and then um, and I started doing it, and I thought, well, at the time I was writing and performing um, comedic monologues. I come from an improv background. And so I thought, well, this is the best material ever. So I wrote uh, different characters based on the women I met. And I had a through line, and it was called True Confessions of a Go-Go Girl. Critically acclaimed, I read. That's yeah, incredible. it was. Uh, I wrote it when I was very young. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do it on off-off-Broadway and to, like be able to feel the audience out and to change the material wow. until it became something that I felt was tight and good and um and we got a lot of I mean I think it was a little ahead of its time because I don't think people would I mean I I basically did a play in like a thong bikini I mean I had a biker character I had a you know this character that character so you know at that time it was kind of like if you wear a thong bikini you can't have a brain or if you have a thong bikini on you can't really have talent like that kind that you can't write certainly or be a writer actor so it was. Uh, it took a while. We would get CD people coming in to see the show, not really knowing. And then finally, um, we did start to get. I, I was acting as my own publicist, and I got. Um, I got Time Out to see it. I got Village Voice, and we started getting great reviews. And then I, I acted as my publicist and wrote a letter to the New York Times with these good reviews and they actually came and reviewed it and we got a great review and we were on the front page in the theater section incredible with a picture (laughs) oh my gosh that is incredible and I mean this is a little like we were in a teeny little like upstairs next to a bar like theater like I couldn't believe they even came but luckily by then I had been doing the show for a year or two so I had honed it you know like if they saw it in the beginning I wouldn't have gotten the great review that I had gotten you know what I mean I'm glad I had that time to workshop sure, it and sure. get it and um incredible and it's something even now like I was looking at pictures uh recently I, th- I posted one on Instagram I love it yeah you know. I may have to share that onto an Instagram with this episode. oh sure mm-hmm. sure um but because I, I I write short stories and um my friend uh Lizzie Borden she's a director, film director, she's also putting together a book of short stories of uh, written by strippers or former strippers, and uh, I had a whole bunch of them, and so she was like, well, find some pictures, because we, you know, we want to use pictures in the book, so yesterday I was going through my pictures and being like, oh my god. Isn't that amazing to do? Yeah. Wow. You know, from like 20 years ago? What a journey. <laughs> Fascinating. You know, I was really struck as you were talking and sharing about you didn't feel attractive you uh, didn't feel attractive to, to men. You didn't feel, you know, sexy. And then you're doing, you're challenging yourself to, to act it, basically. Is our because I look at you and I think you're gorgeous and you're very vibrant and have a, a beautiful face and a beautiful spirit. And I, I just think, I imagine, and the other women in the film too. I saw that they, some of them, struggled too with kind of body image issues. Is that something that uh, is common in boxing? And then also second part would be does boxing help (laughs) I think it could help in her I think it's common in women I think all women have freaking I mean very few that I know don't have it you know I mean as we get older like I know I I also had an eating disorder when I was in um, high school and college Um, I was bulimic and anorexic you know it didn't get totally out of hand and honestly I think antidepressants were the thing and and, you know, just trying to therapy really helped me overcome that, Good. you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And also from the bulimia, because in my early 20s, I was kind of puffy. 
and I think it was from the bulimia. Oh, yeah, probably. You know, because mm-hmm. I was like, why? I'm doing this, but I'm still. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't until I started, um, I was a, became a tennis, I was started teaching tennis that, like, I started to get fit again and eating well. And, like, sure. I started to be like, oh, now I'm, I'm starting to like my body. I can accept the flaws, you know. The f- and you're using your body. I'm using my so body. you're feeling capable. Capable. And, and for me, it also gives me a little bit of a high. And for me, mm-hmm. too, it... Um, because I suffer from depression, it, it, it'll it pop me out of the depression, even just for that time I'm exercising. You know, I actually just coming out of a d- little bit of a depression now. I was depressed the last four days, or yesterday I came out of it. And, um, I mean, a couple of events, some of it's just chemical, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I do know what to do now. And I know, I just think to myself, okay, this is going to pass. Um, some people binge eat. I binge sleep. I need to go to bed. (laughs) And you let yourself get what you need. You you let yourself. Yeah, I do. I mean, sometimes I'll try to fight it, and I'll I'll have coffee, and I'll do. But I'll be like, you know what? This is not working. Just let yourself sleep. You're gonna. This is gonna pass, and you can be really productive again. Because I'm all about being productive. You know. Um, But the exercise I would make myself do, and when I do it, it gives me that little bit of a upper for the day. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, um, it's very important. And I mean, actually, after I'm going to be, I had a fight a week ago. I'm going to be doing another fight in about a week and a half. And then after that, I'm going to be working like nonstop on a production on another film. Wow. And I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about not having the, the boxing in my life or not having that amount of exercise that I currently do, you mm, know, sure. and more for my head than for my body, because now I know how to eat and all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I remember the shift from exercising to try to change or fight my body versus for emotional and mental strength. It's very, very different, you know, and I feel like we get in a much better shape in all ways when, when we start doing that, you know, and it's sad because t- way too few women, I think, are even when you have an eating disorder, you're arguably kind of forced to face those demons, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it makes me really sad that so there's this epidemic of just general body dislike or dis- or body hate that is just chronic and I wish that women didn't have to go through something to start dealing with it you know so that's one reason I think these stories are so important and I think that sometimes hearing a new approach to dealing with depression and and uh, body image issues and uh, abuse in the past, all of those things. Um, I had a very short stint with boxing for an acting job. It was for uh, Perfect Ten magazine. They, it ended up uh, losing its funding like w- during production, so I didn't end up. I was supposed to be going to a fight actually, and this was years ago. But uh, I was the newest one, and they had basically like model types who had no boxing experience with professional female boxers, and we got paid to train and. It was the most challenging and very invigorating uh, exercise. And also, it was the very first time, I think, of all the exercise I'd done, and I had done probably too much, it was the first time that I felt this sort of beautiful strength in my entire body. You know, that even when I was doing it really badly, which I did most of the time, I never got good. They called me bouncy because I was just real. I don't know. I liked basketball as a kid. I don't know if that's why. But I just bounced everywhere. I was like Tigger. Or, I just I don't know why that came out of me. But I was bouncing around and uh, and had a really hard time actually hitting anyone at yeah. first. They put me in yeah. the ring and they said, just go around and hit all these women. They're not going to hit you back. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I'm like hitting. Sorry. Hitting. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And for you, though, it was you actually already had comfort with that and you share in the film that you've always had that sort of is it a, is it a high you get from hitting is that a, a urge that you have or what does it feel like to you to to punch and hit it feels like with each punch i'm letting something go mm. you know sure um and then with hitting people hitting girls or hitting other women i i'm still a little like if i have a new sparring partner i go very light I will stop sometimes and say sorry or are you okay? Like especially if it's a new sparring person, if it's someone who's a professional boxer who does this, I might just stop and look if I catch them and I see they're usually almost always okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um but other than that, I mean, we're both making the choice to go in the ring and right. to do that, you know. Um, and but you know, I know still after nine years, the sorry will come out of my my mouth sometimes if I feel like I caught someone with too much of a clean hard shot mm-hmm. and maybe they don't they're not very experienced you know? sure and some of that's you know 
your big heart and sensitivity, which is great. And then I think also there is this, because women are not expected to be, uh, you know, physically strong or to hit anyone, there's also this, uh, we're kind of cultured to have discomfort around that, um, which I think works against us, especially in terms of like physical safety, you know, being able to protect ourselves. Do you feel like uh, boxing is a good self-defense tool? Well, I always say, you know, with boxing and self-defense, it's like, it's not, I'm not going to beat up some big, strong man with my boxing who attacks me. However, I do assess things when I walk down the street. I mean, I have almost always done this, though. I and mean, it could be from living in New York for so long. Um, but I always kind of look at the situation. I look around. Um, whenever I'm walking with another woman, especially, I'm very protective. I feel like I just kind of look and make sure things are okay. I feel okay. safe with you, by the way. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I get very, like, don't even. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I know some other self-defense techniques, like, you know, like thumbs in the eyes and knees and, mm-hmm. you know. Like, knee them in the nuts. Knee, yep. Yeah, knee, all the stuff, all the elbows, you know. Um, but it, it wouldn't be boxing because it wouldn't be fair because I'm a very small person. And <laughs> whoever it is going to most likely be a lot bigger than me and stronger. Sure. So. No, that's a really good point for sure. Um, you made me think something you said reminded me of this really powerful scene early in your film where you're talking to your mother. And because I, I haven't at this point um, seen the entire film, and I don't know how much you want to reveal or how much you reveal in the film, but it seems that your relationship with her was was quite complicated. And that conversation I thought was so brave. Do you want to tell us about what that experience was like? Um, she was recalling your childhood more of the happy times, and you recall... Uh, you know, abuse. Right. So what was that like for you? Well, the thing is, my, my mother was my abuser. Um, but also in in her defense, I should say in her defense, I also just had like, she's like, you just look at everything half empty. I also think I just was depressed as a kid. I mean, it could be just because I was being abused, but it could also be just because I'm just wired in this dark way. I don't know. Sure. You know, so there's a little bit of both to it, you know, of why I am the way I am or why I look at life the way I do sure you know interesting I thought it was really brave of her too it was very brave of her and um you know I'm very grateful to her for for being in the film and for doing it um I know she chose to be in shadow I don't blame her it's fine um but she you know it also it's helpful in healing because I know so many people like their abuse they can't even talk to their abusers or their abusers won't admit what happened and it makes them feel crazy you know Whereas, like, you know, I know it happened. I forgive her. I want to move past it. And then, thank God, the the boxing helped me even more move past it. Amazing. And what is your relationship like with her now? It's okay. It's pretty good. I mean, we, you know, I whenever I go to New York, which is often, I go and see, visit her in New Jersey. You know, same with my dad. Um, it's not like we're not, like, really close, you know. But I kind of like to keep people at bay sometimes. Um, sure. Especially, you know. Yeah, I, I think that that alone, that element of the film, aside from the boxing and the entire story, is is incredible with the boxers. And I think that the the family and the very personal, you know, it's all first person narrative, and we're going on this journey with you. And you know, so many we've we've done a couple of episodes recently on abuse of many different kinds, and to because so few people speak up about it uh, to anyone. You know, to see you actually speaking to her and uh, and seeing your journey, I think, and your vulnerability and your strength and all of it, I think is really empowering and important for other other people. Have you always been able to talk about the abuse or is that something that you just recently started addressing? Well, the thing is, I've acknowledged it. But the other thing is, like, I don't want to throw my mom under the bus. You know, I really don't. Like, that's not the whole purpose of this. Right. And so, yeah, I would avoid it in, in the past works, you know, for sure. Um, also, it did, I don't see it as something that defines me, you know, right. so that also is a reason, you know. Um, it didn't feel gratuitous. Like, it didn't feel like you were trying to slam somebody or anything. It's, it's What it seemed to me was that you were exploring in front of all of us. You know, you were challenging these thoughts and these feelings and, and trying to gain understanding. And I thought it was so respectfully done. 
Truly. Oh, Thanks. That means a lot to me because I was really worried about that when the, when it came out because I'm like, God, I don't want to feel like my mom threw my mom into the bus because yeah. she also suffered from abuse and she, worse than what I suffered and sure. also has mental illness and also, mm-hmm. you know, so I get it, you know, yeah. um, it just happened and now it's over and, you know, we move on and, and I learned a lot from it. That's what we have to take, you know. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And what are your biggest goals with the film? Well, you know, I feel like it hasn't really reached, I mean, we get, we've been getting such strong reactions from people, but I feel like it just hasn't reached a big enough audience, or it hasn't, maybe the right people haven't seen it in order to promote it. needs to it. be big, I mean, big screen, because right now it's, it's, you can order it, right? Yeah. You can order it from your website, mm-hmm. uh, which... It's I also it's on iTunes and Amazon okay. and fightlikeagirlthemovie.com. Okay, so people can order it, and I hope everybody does, because that'll help your exposure, surely, sure. the more your ranks increase and all of that. Um, but also, you if you had like a big distributor or are you... Is that... I'm not really well-versed in, in screenplays, but um, is that what the next step would be? If Because I, I just feel like it needs to be on, you know, it needs to be like, it's a feature film already. It needs to be in the mass market, so how can we make that happen? <laughs> well, I do have a distributor. We chose not to go theatrical because it's very expensive, okay. and my distributor also doesn't have, like, a ton of money. Um, I didn't get a ton of money behind this film. It was made just, like, I pieced it together. So, you know, and I don't know all the right people, you know. So, like, I don't have the formula for success, you know. But I do think I made a good film. I do think um, it helps people. I mean, I'm still screening it for organizations, for, um, you know, at-risk girls. um, And I also will sometimes do a boxing clinic with the girls, you know. So I teach them boxing. And we also tell, like, have empowerment stuff. Um, Maureen Shea from the film is a motivational speaker, so she'll often come and do, like, some speaking when she's, she's kind of, like, got that, like, preacher energy. You're just I could like, see yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what I, one thing I loved about the film as well was the support of the women. You all support each other, it seems. And that's really beautiful and a powerful message, I think, that you're, um, it seems like you're, you created some really tight, Bonds. Are you still really close to those women? I am. I actually was just in New York. I saw them. I actually sparred with Kimberly and Susan. Oh, We're really? still boxing. Um, I still get nervous when I go in there with them. I got nervous just when you said that. Uh, I just like imagining it. Just I think you're so brave. Um, but then Maureen <laughs> um, lives in L.A. now, and I talk to her almost every day. Um, yeah, and now I actually have another a new community because uh, I am still boxing. A new community of women that. Um, I, you know, tonight I'm, or tomorrow night I'm going to my friend Kayana's fight, Kayana Range. She's, she does MMA, you know. Um, or, you know, my friend Tracy fought in the Olympic qualifiers yesterday, so I watched it. We were streaming it and texting her. Um, you know, a bunch of us, we spar together, we support each other because we all go through the same things. And that's the thing, it's, that's the thing that makes it not so, like, I have always been pretty open with my emotions and my feelings like in my play with true confessions like people are like wow that's so raw and honest like not to like pat myself on the back but it's the one thing I do well <laughs> you know what I mean well you're being yeah, very maybe, very modest no, but, I mean, but it's you like, do it well it's, incredibly that's well. the thing like if there's anything about the work that I do that I'm you feel like, that's your biggest that's, strength that's the thing and it part of it is just because it makes me feel less alone mm. it makes other peel, people feel less alone you know when you hear their I just actually heard Amy Schumer on um on a podcast of some sort and she was just saying how that's what she's interested is like the grossest most awful like you don't talk about it stuff yeah and I was laughing I'm like me too oh totally (laughs) mine just comes out in sexuality and boners and stuff you know but yeah I I get that because it it is it's very to, to take your life experience and what you care about and all your sensitivities and vulnerabilities and things that you've gotten really upset about like for me that is so invigorating because I there's that great uh, Gloria Steinem quote. I might get this a little bit wrong, but the truth will set you free, but it'll piss you off first. <laughs> and I love that because I went through, and my husband will tell you, I once you get to a place, I think, of healing and strength and empowerment when you've gone through some stuff, there is this sort of... Um, I don't know. For me, it was like this volcano that would just start, like erupt and erupt when I would see other people. I, I'd see it wasn't just me that went through this, and it wasn't my fault. I would realize so many other women are struggling, be it with you know depression, all the different issues that I had gone through, the issues that you have gone through, and 
to see the factors that used to really piss me off that made no sense that I would just end up sort of blaming myself for and wondering if I'm just this weird alien, it, it sort of validated that, wait a minute, this isn't right and we need to change it. And, and to be able to have a medium to do something positive, like your film, like every fight that you have, I mean, I think it's incredible. And I, I just want to mention, too, that everyone can interact with us. We, we frequent the uh, yes. <laughs> Women Kick-Ass Twitter parties, which I love. They're uh, so much fun. Yeah, they are. And Girl Boner, we got to help co-host one for the first time. Uh, but Jill and I both are, are very routinely there. So they're on Thursdays from 7 to 8 p.m., but they kind of go into the night sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> different themes. And uh, there's I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes so if anybody wants to, to stop in um, and uh, get to know us more. And it's just it's such a neat and empowering group. I feel like the energy is... Twitter parties are just like regular parties. You mm-hmm. just can wear whatever you want, you pajamas. <laughs> so how can we learn more about you and, and your wonderful work? Um, well, you can go to fightlikeagirlthemovie.com um, or jillmorley.com. Um, my Twitter is at jillmorley. And uh, I don't know. I guess there's a bunch of crap on Google. <laughs> <laughs> Crap on Google. I love it. Okay, guys. Go find all that crap on Google. And actually, that's true, though. If you Google you, all kinds of wonderful stuff comes up. Oh, so. not only wonderful, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so funny. I love your wit. It's, it's awesome. Thank it's you. such a treat to talk to you, and I just wish you all the best. Oh, same here. Thanks, August. Again, to learn more about Jill and her fabulous film, visit jillmorley.com. That's J-I-L-L-M-O-R-L-E-Y.com. And fightlikeagirlthemovie.com. And follow her on Twitter, at Jill Morley. I just love hearing from people who speak openly about mental illness because there still are taboos. There shouldn't be. And um, you're all making such wonderful changes by doing that. And Of course, if you don't feel comfortable speaking up, I totally get that, too. Uh, I admire you for your strength as well. Um, People who do speak up and when they do find their way out of some of those dark times, we can learn so much from them. And a lot of times they're speaking out as part of what helps them, which also is a very individual thing. I know that for me, speaking about um, my eating disorder, for example, brought me a lot of healing. So Jill is definitely no stranger to any of that or to the dark times, which you'll learn a lot about if you watch Fight Like a Girl, not only from her experience, but from the other boxers in the movie. It's just so brilliant and extremely well done and thoroughly enjoyable. So I hope you will watch it and let me know what you think. I've had very few depressive episodes in the last 10 years or so, knock on wood, but I don't take that for granted. I do everything I can to safeguard myself from flare-ups and to notice any of the signs if they should arise. So I know, for example, that um, like a low back ache paired with some low feelings or difficult situations in my life um, – you know, that's one of the common signs or or just feeling really tired. That's time for me to seek some kind of like preventative care. And it's been really helpful for me. Um, depression can really take a major toll on our intimate lives and relationships, as Dr. Megan was explaining. So I asked her to share some of the first steps singles or couples can take to manage these issues. So if you are hearing all of this and thinking, I relate to this, or my partner seems to display some of these symptoms, here are some of the things that you can do. So I'm going to give four steps that singles or couples can take to minimize the challenges of uh, loss of desire that's a part of depression. So number one, if you're feeling depressed, know that there's effective treatment. Please don't suffer in silence. Number two, remind yourself you're not alone. There is support out there for you, and if you're feeling all alone, please reach out to your partner, a friend, a family member, or even a hotline, especially if you're struggling or noticing thoughts that life doesn't feel worth living. Three. Try turning yourself on with fantasies, porn, erotic reading, or anything that typically gives you pleasure. It may not register or feel as good or be the go-to that you've always known it to be, but it might be a little reset for your brain to get a boost of oxytocin and dopamine with an orgasm. Four. And my last tip is just to be patient and compassionate with yourself and to know that although this feels awful, and it certainly does in this moment, it doesn't have to feel this way always. My daughter wrote a poem, eight years old at the time, and it was called Life, and she gives the best advice ever, which I want to share with you. 
When life's long train thunders you into a tunnel with dark, ugly, icky blackness surrounding you, keep your eye on tunnel's end where the light opens up once more. Always recognize that the light opens up once more, and your desire and your intimacy can and will return when you seek the right help. Can you believe her daughter wrote that poem at age eight? Wow, it is so profound and beautiful. I often poll folks before episodes on Girl Boner um, on the Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash mygirlboner. A very brave and lovely listener named Nicole replied to my latest query about uh, depression and PTSD, and I basically asked If you've struggled with these, what has helped you and how has it all affected your relationships? Um, I'll be sharing more of Nicole's story because she shared so much that I think is really valuable in an upcoming blog post. But for now, here are a few ways that she learned to better cope with both PTSD and depression. Nicole has been struggling with depression on and off for much of her life, she said, and PTSD related to sexual and relationship trauma more recently. First of all, Nicole, I'm so sorry that you have struggled in these ways and that you went through a traumatic experience. Um, Thank you so much for your courage and sharing. I'm just, I'm cheering for you big time. Um, Here are some of the steps that helped her. First, seeing a therapist and coming to terms with the trauma that happened to her. Her current therapist, she said, is helping her deal with PTSD and anxiety and what triggers her symptoms and how to react. That is so, so important. Second, she said meditation and mindfulness. Yes, I love this. Uh, Nicole said that spending 10 to 20 minutes a day meditating really helps her, especially when her feelings are overwhelming. Um, I can totally relate to that. And it took me a long time to get into the habit of meditating. But I love that she said, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour, even a half an hour. For me, I started with five to 10 minutes. So um, give that a try if you can, Uh, whether you're depressed or not. It has such amazing gifts. Uh, embracing her feelings helped as well. Telling herself that however she feels is okay and natural. Uh, it's so important to not criticize ourselves, right? I love that she explained this because when we're judging our feelings, we can't uh, find ways to healthfully cope with them, you know? Uh, and it's not about self-pity. It's about honoring and respecting your feelings so that you can manage them, uh, try to understand where they're coming from, and see light again. Nicole also said that spending time outdoors, moving, walking, and talking, which she sometimes does during her therapy hour, that is so cool, um, often leaves her feeling good about herself just for doing some exercise that day. And within that thought, one, one thing I really like is that she she mentioned for doing some exercise. I think when you're depressed, it's easy to put a lot of pressure on yourself to do more than you feel capable of or to shun yourself for, oh my gosh, I barely moved today, or um, like Jill was talking about, letting herself sleep or whether it's, you know, letting yourself eat whatever you feel comfortable eating. If you have no appetite, if it's, you know, just smoothies that day, at least you did that, you know. So cutting yourself slack is huge. Um, Nicole is married to a wonderfully supportive man who's sensitive to her needs and experiences. I love hearing that so much. Supportive partners are hugely important and the opposite is not so good. Uh, So again, Nicole's story should be up on my blog within the week um, in a bit of a casual Q&A form. I'm so grateful for her voice. Here are some more things that helped me uh, and still help me with uh, managing um, either depression or my my healing and recovery from it. Uh, Keeping shame out of the mix. I was really lucky because my parents always saw depression as a completely, you know, worthy illness, like an illness that deserves treatment like anything else. Uh, So I saw my mom go through depression when I was younger and seeing how they, you know, respected it and and held each other through it was so inspiring. So I had a good role model in that way. But there's just no shame at all in feeling depressed or grappling with a serious depressive disorder. Another thing that helped me was not trying to measure it. Because when I was first diagnosed way back when, my, my first thought was like, but wait, I'm not sad enough. I, I laughed yesterday. <laughs> you know, I... I smiled a few minutes ago. How could I be depressed? Uh, But you can be depressed and laugh and smile and even have some happy moments and still have these issues. You know, not everybody 
um, is sad constantly when they're depressed, and not everybody considers suicide. Symptoms are worth redressing, uh, redressing, addressing, regardless of the intensity. Another thing that helped me, as <laughs> you all know, um, embrace your body and sexuality. I don't think I will ever stop suggesting that. It seems to me like it's almost a solution to, you know, virtually everything, if you haven't, um, or if there's room to grow, which for so many of us, there's some room to grow there, and that's okay. Our brain chemistry and emotional wellness are super influenced by how we feel about ourselves and damaged when our sexuality is suppressed. So in other words, if you see sex as this shameful thing or your body as unembraceable, it actually can change your brain chemistry and make it more um, kind of susceptible to depression and related uh, issues like anxiety and stress. So prioritizing self, body, and sexual embracement is so important. I was also really helped by adopting my first dog. <laughs> Animals and caring for them can be so therapeutic. I just think they're, they're gifts to all of us. Um, and also creativity. One thing that helped me probably more than therapy was writing. I started writing songs, uh, writing stories, journaling. I did um, – Julia Cameron has this book called The Artist's Way. That's fantastic. Um, I read it years ago, and at the time, I was going through a difficult, you know, emotional thing, and I didn't really realize I was. That's super common, actually. So I'd wake up in the morning, and I would just free write. It's like mental vomit. You know, you just <laughs> scribble down whatever's in your head, like three pages every day. And you could just throw them away if you wanted to or keep them. And it's amazing what came out. It's just letting your thoughts and feelings loose can really open the gateways to healing. And, of course, pursuing my passions. Once depression starts to let up, this becomes possible. And even thinking of being able to do so eventually can be enough for some people, you know, to start the healing process, to give give a light um, at the end of that, that tunnel. Passionate pursuits are rock star golden medicine for all of us, whether we are prone to depression or not. Speaking of passion, huge, huge thanks to all of you who listen and support All Things Girl Boner, including those who t attended Girl Boner's first Twitter party, uh, which was hosted by the awesome Artemis Film Production crew a couple of weeks ago using the hashtag women kick ass. And we had a truly kick ass time. This is the party I was talking to with Jill earlier. And you can join that posse every Thursday night. Um, I'm not going to be hosting or president all of them, but I do try to make it. So if you're there, definitely say hello. Um, our winner for the events drawing from that party is Jess N. Wheeler. Yay. Congrats, Jess. It was so fun to have you there and to interact. You brought some wonderful thoughts and I really appreciated your presence. Um, please send me your mailing address through my website. It's totally private and confidential. AugustMcLaughlin.com to receive Girl Boner Lip Lube and a fantastic wristband uh, that says Women Kick Ass from the Artemis Film um, Production Company. I will be announcing the results and winners from our Fact or Fiction Dating Hilarity Game next week, which I'm super excited about and interviewing a literally swinging couple if you know what I mean thank you so much for listening for subscribing and reviewing Girl Boner Radio on iTunes if you have that helps so much and please all of you have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week <laughs>